Welcome back to our ongoing coverage of the Ahmaud Arbery case in which defendants Greg McMichael, Travis McMichael, and William Bryan are being tried for murder and other charges in the shooting death of Ahmaud Arbery. I am, of course, attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Today, the court proceeded once again with jury selection or voir dire in the case with the goal of impaneling 12 jurors and four alternates. Today was the ninth group of prospective jurors put through the selection process with each group nominally numbering 20 people. Their near-term goal is to have 64 qualified prospective jurors to be then distilled down to the final 16, the 12 and 4 alternates, 16 seated jurors in a third stage of jury selection. As of this morning, 47 prospective jurors had been qualified. So a few key findings from today's general voir dire. A large majority of 75% of today's prospective jurors came to jury selection having already formed a negative feeling towards one or more of the defendants, usually a combination of all three. Nearly half of them, 40%, had already formed an opinion on the guilt of the defendants. Roughly half agreed that people of color were not treated fairly by the criminal justice system or by police generally. Nearly half, 40%, had a relative or close friend who had been arrested, prosecuted, or convicted of a serious crime. That same percentage, 40%, had formed an opinion about the time lapse between the February 23rd, 2020 date of this event and the May 2020 arrest of the defendants. Nearly a third, 30%, had been the victim of a burglary or home invasion, and that same percentage, 30%, had no guns in their household. So those are the key findings. Before I jump into more detailed substance of today's general voir dire proceedings, I do want to mention the sponsor of today's content, which is, of course, CCW Safe, a provider of legal service memberships, what many people mistakenly call self-defense insurance. What CCW Safe does is promise to pay its members legal expenses if the member is involved in a use of force event. And those expenses start big and get bigger fast, folks. If you've been obliged to, say, shoot somebody in self-defense and they die as a result, and you're facing now a manslaughter or murder charge, it's easy to burn through $200,000 before you even get to trial. So if you don't have that kind of money stuffed in a mattress just in case you're compelled to defend yourself or your family, it can be helpful to have a partner standing behind you to make sure you have the resources you need to fight that legal battle the way it needs to be fought as if the rest of your life depended on it, because really it does. I've looked at all the companies that provide similar kinds of services out there, and I found that by far CCW Safe is the best fit for me. I'm personally a member. My wife, Emily, is personally a member. Whether they're the best fit for you is something only you can decide, but I do encourage you strongly to take a look at what they have to offer by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com slash ccwsafe. And if you do decide to become a member there, you can save 10% off your membership using the discount code LOSD10. That's LOSD for Law of Self-Defense and the number 10 at that URL, lawofselfdefense.com slash ccwsafe. So let's talk now about general voir dire. Once again, this was a four-stage process with welcoming remarks and a few questions from Judge Walmsley, then extensive questioning by Senior Assistant District Attorney Linda Dunikowski, more succinct questioning by Defense Counsel Jason Sheffield, and finally closing remarks and cautions by Judge Walmsley, after which the court transitioned into 
individual voir dire. So we start with Judge Walmsley and his welcoming and opening remarks and the handful of questions. And of course, this is a process that's been essentially identical every day of jury selection. He only asked four questions, so I'll share those with you here. He asks the prospective jurors if there's anybody there who's a relation by blood or marriage to the defendants or to Ahmad Arbery. None of them were. He asked how many of them had formed an opinion on guilt, and eight of them had. He asked if any had a prejudice or bias resting on their mind, either for or against the accused, and three of them said that they did. And he asked if anyone's minds were not perfectly impartial between the state and the accused, and one person said that was the case for them. At that point, Judge Walmsley handed over General Voidier to the state in the form of Senior Assistant District Attorney Linda Dunikowski, who's been leading the bulk of these efforts from the podium. Uh, she took about 40 minutes to work through her usual 80 questions, uh, identical to those asked in previous General Voidier sessions, after which she read through a lengthy list of prospective witnesses to see if any of those witnesses were known to the panel. Um, so I'm not going to step through all 80 questions. I generally don't. It would be too time-consuming. Uh, but I do embed the video of that voir dire, general voir dire by the state, in the text version of today's content. And I encourage you to take a look at that if you're interested in greater detail. After ADA Denikowski was done reading through her lengthy list of witnesses, she was done with her general voir dire, and she turned things over to the defense. And as usual, it was defense counsel Jason Sheffield who conducted the general voir dire for the defense as a whole, although technically speaking, he represents only Travis McMichael. Sheffield's questioning of the pool took the usual about 15 minutes. He asked about 20 questions. Again, uh, the same ones he's been asking, except they did add a new one today. Um, I'm not going to step through all 20 questions. Again, the video of that is embedded in the text version of today's content. I do encourage you to take a look at that. But the new question that was asked has arisen because apparently it seems the initial written questionnaire filled out by the prospective jurors long before they actually came into court for jury selection. Um, it was filled out when they were not under oath and without even cautioning them that they could face the penalty of perjury if they gave false answers on that form. And swearing someone in and cautioning them against perjury is what we do in the criminal justice system to make people aware of the importance of being truthful and the risks of not being truthful. And it's one of the indicia of what we consider to be presumptively truthful uh, responses or information during jury selection. If you don't swear someone in or you don't at least caution them against the penalty of perjury for false answers, well, there's no incentive for them not to lie. I mean, there's no consequence if they lie. So you can't really presume the answers to be truthful under those circumstances. So the defense was arguing, hey, we don't even know, for example, if the answers they gave when they filled this out weeks ago, if they're still accurate. I mean, things can change. People can open up new social media accounts, for example, under different usernames. So that's led to this new question being asked. It was the last question of Jason Sheffield's general voir of this jury panel. Uh, and he asked, when you filled out these forms, you provided a bunch of information. Has anything changed? Social media names, anything like that, anything that could um, you know, impact our ability to determine whether or not you can be fair and impartial in this jury. 
So an important question to ask, I suppose, but in fact, nobody indicated that there were any relevant changes to which they needed to alert the parties or the court. So after Jason Sheffield was done, they turned things back over to Judge Walmsley for his closing remarks and his cautions to the jury. These were all the usual type. Don't talk about the case with each other. Don't talk about the case to other people. Don't research the case. Don't read media on the case. Don't visit the neighborhoods involved. Uh, if someone tries to talk to you about the case, please inform the court so we can address that situation. And with that, the court recessed uh, briefly to transition back to the courtroom from the jury assembly room. Um, general voir dire with the large groups of 20 prospective jurors is done in the jury assembly room that has the space for that. And then individual voir dire in the afternoon, uh, or done at least after general voir dire, is done back in the courtroom where prospective jurors are brought in one at a time for more detailed individual questioning. Unfortunately, as usual, the individual voir dire is broadcast without sound. Uh, so that broadcast is of little use for our purposes of analysis, uh, and we rely on local journalists to report on bare facts like how many jurors have been uh, qualified, how many have been seated, none so far, by the way. Uh, and we'll share that information with all of you as it comes our way, or at least we have been. I have to say, folks, that uh, this is likely the close of my coverage of this Ahmad Arbery case trial. This coming Monday, November 1st, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse begins. I can only realistically cover one trial at a time at this intensity of effort. And the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is the more important for the law of self-defense community, so that's the one I'll be prioritizing. So effective Monday morning, I expect to be turning my full attention to the Rittenhouse trial, providing detailed, daily, real-time, and end-of-day plain English legal analysis of that trial through the verdict and perhaps beyond. The good news is you'll be able to access my Kyle Rittenhouse trial coverage, the same place you've been getting my Ahmad Arbery case trial coverage right here. Okay, folks, that's all I have for you at the moment. Remember, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun so I'm hard to kill, so my family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense.